It's Unleashed, Barrier Sports Talk with me, John Lund, episode 10 for Friday, September 23rd, 2022. The Friday interview, the Barrier's own Nate Jackson from Menlo College to being discovered by Bill Walsh to playing for Mike Shanahan and now doing sports radio in Denver. The perfect guy to talk to, previewing 49ers and Broncos on Sunday. NBC's Mike Tirico joined my show on KNBR on Friday. He's got the call for Sunday Night Football, and he tells me it's the perfect time to play the Broncos. Former 49ers great Joe Staley tells me the depth to which his hate goes for Mr. Unlimited. And, of course, one for the road. Let's go. What's happening? Happy Friday. It is your daily various sports podcast that is must-listen. Unleashed with me, John Lund. We drop it each weekday morning. Make sure that you listen, which you are doing. Thank you. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, all your favorite places where you get your podcasts. Please spread the word. And listen to my show weekdays on KNBR, the sports leader, the big blowtorch from 10 to 2 p.m. Pacific in the Barry on KNBR. You can stream it as well. Follow and interact with the show at John Lund Radio, mailbag each Tuesday, but we'll read the best ones all week long. The YouTube channel is coming soon as well. Let's get to it. It is the Broncos and 49ers preview pod. It is Friday. You're feeling good. It is time for your leadoff spot, the big story of the day. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hey guys, uh, Russell here. Yes, the typical boring, yes, Russell, the robot Russell, the one you guys love to know. I'm real, real exciting. You know, I'm real exciting. Um, but anyways, uh, Everybody has to have an alter ego, right? And, and I've been thinking about what my alter ego would be, and I, I, I think I have an alter ego. His name, his name's Mr. 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 Unlimited. Yeah, you gotta be unlimited. What do you think of Russ, by the way? I hate Russ. Let's ride. I'm glad Whoa. you said that. He is so be headline. Come Wait on, man. He's he's corny. I mean, he's really corny. He's the corniest. I I don't. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Russ. Um. You know, it's, uh, we were talking about it last week. Is like, you know, for me, is is, is it still a rivalry with the Seattle Seahawks? I'm like, I don't know. No, it, I, I feel like it's more of a rivalry now with the Broncos just because I don't like Russ. I just want to see him. I'd be more passionate and fired up when the Niners go out there on Sunday Night Football and dominate the Broncos. And Russ has, you know, 100 yards passing on 10 of 32 uh, throwing. And Nick has six sacks and just dominating the game like I'll be fired up for that Russell Wilson is corny the first one you heard there was Mr. Unlimited the second one you heard Joe Staley the former 49er great left tackle who joins my show on KNBR in the Bay Area each Monday and that's the depth of his Russell Wilson hate last week it was the Seahawks and you didn't get a chance to see Russ and you wanted to beat the Seahawks more then maybe you wanted to beat the Broncos because it's the Seahawks and they're in the 49ers division. But now that that's accomplished, wouldn't you rather beat Russ? He's 17-4 and four against the 49ers. Maybe that's some of Joe Staley's frustration. He's the corniest and the cheesiest, so maybe that's some of it as well. But Russell Wilson, the quarterback, uh, in 2022, he's not running as much. Three rushes, five yards. Remember all those times he scrambled, found a way, got a third down, threw a run. He's not doing that uh, very much anymore. In 2021, he averaged three rushes and 13 yards rushing per game. 
Uh, compare and contrast, 2014, he ran for 849 yards, and for his career, he averages about 500 yards rushing per season at over five yards a clip. Against the 49ers in his career, he has 35 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and over a 100 rating, and that's even that much more impressive when you factor in he played against all those great 49ers defenses in that time. Through the first two weeks, Russ hasn't been Russ. He's almost 34 years old. Everybody slows down at some point, especially when you rely on your legs as much as Russ does. He doesn't have the size. Obviously, we know that for for a long time and playing against Russell Wilson to just sit in the pocket and be one of those guys. But make no mistake about it. Russell Wilson is great. And the thing that scares me about this, and we'll get into a conversation about this with Nate Jackson, as I told you, he is a, a he graduated high school in San Jose, Pioneer High School in San Jose. He went to Menlo College. He was discovered by Bill Walsh. I'll tell you all about him, but uh, we talked to him a little bit later. He's doing sports radio in Denver and actually played for Mike Shanahan for a few years in Denver, and so he had a firsthand look at Russell Wilson. I'll get more into that. We'll ask Mike Tirico a little bit about it. We had Mike Tirico on my show on Canberra and asked him a little bit about Russell Wilson and playing the Broncos, but I'm a little bit nervous about playing Russ now because they look so discombobulated with their new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett. I just think the Broncos are too good to look like this. Now, I think it's a good time to be playing them, and we'll have more of a conversation about it a little bit later on in the podcast, but it does make me a little bit nervous that Russell has not been Russell to this point. Maybe it'll take a little bit more time, and the 49ers will continue to get lucky. They don't have DK Metcalf. Uh, he'll continue to throw it deep, though. He did throw a 67-yarder, if you watch Monday Night Football, to Jerry Jeudy, who beat a rookie, ironically, Kobe Bryant, out of the slot. Uh, the key to me, though, is not actually letting Russ cook. Russ wants to cook. That's what uh, we're hearing in Denver, that that's one of the reasons he left Pete Carroll, because he wanted to prove to everybody in the league that he could cook. But they have a running back by the name of Javante Williams. He's a former second-round pick out of North Carolina. And if Javante Williams is running the football and the Broncos are playing defense, they're going to be a lot better than if Russ is cooking. Let's hope the Broncos wait at least another week until they get the burner hot next and this is an interesting one mike because there's just so many connections the shanahan's obviously with mike and yep. and kyle and you got russell wilson who the the 49ers battled with over the playoffs for so many years and adam peters john lynch the front office guys are bronco guys i mean this is this right. is an interesting one a lot of ties here it is for a game that you only see once every four years right uh it, it feels like there are so many similarities along the way and, and i'll tell you what else is similar right now both teams are one and one they both lost the first game won the second game both feel like they should be better. And, you know, obviously with, with San Francisco, we'll, we'll get to it. There's such an interesting major U-turn in the course that was plotted out for the year here uh, that, that you left unsure. And on the Denver side, you thought Russell Wilson plus Nathaniel Hackett would connect, and it's not connecting right away. And I think where these teams go in the next four weeks are going to be very important in determining how they're going to handle a really tough division. I think both are in thick divisions, maybe not as elite as we thought they might be, but they're thick. You're not going to get any easy games, any of the uh, three other teams in each side. So these games become pretty important, pretty pivotal, because as we know, the West from the AFC and the NFC meet all play each other. So these, these are going to be very important games. Even though it doesn't feel like these are two rivals, it's got a little sense of more familiarity than your odd interconference game that you get every four years. So that is the great Mike Tirico. He joined me and Greg Papa, and you can hear that show weekdays in the Bay Area, KMBR 680, KMBR.com. Mike's going to call the game for NBC on Sunday. Now, what he said there was really interesting. 
We all do this, or most of us do this. I do this. When the schedule comes out, we all take a pen or maybe a pencil, and we write WLWLWL. What that means is win-loss, 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 loss-win, win-win-win. And we come up with a number. Oh, they're going to win 12 games. But what we don't take into account is when you play those teams. So, for example, the Broncos, as I said earlier, have looked discombobulated. That is the, the word for the Broncos and talking to people in Denver. If you didn't watch the game against the Texans last week, the crowd was actually counting down the play clock for the Broncos because they just couldn't get things together and they had delay of games. You saw them against Seattle. I think that was as much emotion as anybody else. But it's going to take a little while for Russell Wilson, who was in one offense as great as he has been in his career, to go to another offense, to go to a new head coach, to go to a new offensive coordinator. The Broncos have a lot of injuries at this time, and they're just not a together team. Now, you play Denver in week 8, 9, 10, whatever, near the end of the season. I would think that Denver is going to be a much better football team. That happens with a lot of new coaches. You get them at the beginning of the season. You get a break out of that. You throw in the injuries, and this is probably a great time to play Denver. Now, Russell Wilson is 17-4, and four, but he is not up to speed. He does not have the Legion of Boom as he had for all those years. They lost to Seattle in Seattle. Seattle's not a very good football team. I know that that was a motion, but the 49ers just beat them 27-7. They barely beat the Texans, who are going to be a team that's going to draft in the top five, 16-9. And the home crowd, the orange crush, the home crowd, was booing Russell Wilson. Now, how quickly can that flip? And that was my point in the first segment when we were talking about Russell Wilson. It can flip fast. When you're watching a bad team that has talent, it's just a matter of time. Will that time be this week against the 49ers. I still say it's a good time to be taking on Mr. Unlimited and the Broncos this Sunday night in Denver. Next. It is your Friday interview. Mondays and Fridays, we get an interview subject in here, and it's cool this week. You're going to love it. Bay Area native, went to Pioneer High School in San Jose. He's a former 49er for a cup of coffee, and he actually played at Menlo College, and Bill Walsh discovered him there. Brought him in for a tryout with the 49ers. The 49ers, this was in 2003, had a deep wide receiver core. Traded him to the Broncos where? He played for Mike Shanahan. Played for Mike Shanahan for four years in Denver. Wrote a couple of great books. One, a memoir about his time in the NFL and all the injuries that you should check out. He's an author, an advocate, and now he has lowered himself to sports talker in Denver. It's Nate Jackson, today's Friday Interview. You've accomplished a lot, and you're now with uh, Chad Brown. You've been there for a couple of years at 104.3, the fan in Denver. For a guy who is a former player, uh, accomplished author, why are you lowering yourself to our level in doing this? <laughs> That's a really good question. Man. I, was, I was living in, in, in Los Angeles trying to make it as a writer. I wrote a couple books, and then I was kicking around some stuff in Hollywood and taking meetings with people. And believe it or not, it's even lower there, man. I couldn't get anybody to, to get a, get on board with an idea or follow through with a meeting or anything. So I had this opportunity to get into radio in Denver, and I took it, man, and I'm enjoying it. Oh, very cool. And I know we've had Chad Brown on a lot, too. Chad's a great guy, and I just saw, I was looking at your Twitter feed that he is uh, now nominated to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and, of course, his connection to Denver, he went to CU, he's a Colorado Buffalo, and, and so that's very cool for him. So uh, you, and, you and Chad chopping it up daily, huh? Yeah, chopping it up daily, 9 to 11. Uh, Chad was, yeah, recently unveiled as they have 129 modern era nominees. He was one of them. Incredibly humble dude. Played 15 years in the league. Drafted by the Steelers. Played four years there and then eight in Seattle. 
two-time All-Pro, and he's just a humble dude, very thoughtful guy, owns a shipping company, breeds snakes. Yeah, he's into he's snakes. He's come right into broadcasting. Yeah, he breeds snakes, dude. man, and he ships them all around the country. So if you got a snake, man, he can ship it. <laughs> That's crazy. I always remember talking about snakes. I'm not. I'm just not a snake guy. But no, that's cool that he's into Me that. Me neither. Yeah, I'm not a snake. Me neither. Guy. Man. No, no chance. Yeah. All right. So let's yeah. give people in the Bay Area background on you, just because it's cool. There's so many connections in this game coming up this weekend with the Shanahan's, and I know you played for Mike, and and you got John Lynch in there, and Adam Peters who were with the Broncos as well. Russ tormented the 49ers for a long time, so there's a lot of connections there. But you went to Pioneer High School in San Jose. You went to Menlo College in Atherton, and although you weren't drafted. You were actually signed by the 49ers, I believe, on the word of Bill Walsh. Isn't that correct? Yeah, so I grew up a huge 49er fan, like everybody on my street, everybody in San Jose or in the Bay Area during those years. Of course, some kids like the Raiders, but most of the kids like the Niners, and I was one of those 49er fans. And so as my football path unfolded, I got overlooked as a high school player. I walked on at Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo. I got cut. That's why I transferred to Menlo College, D3 program. Played three years there, but Bill Walsh's son happened to be uh, the athletic director there prior to me getting there. And so Bill Walsh would come to our games. He'd stand on the sideline at Menlo football games. And I had some really big games in front of Bill. Got to meet him after one of them, and he became sort of a mentor of mine. And, yeah, he was serving as a consultant for the 49ers when I graduated Menlo, and I got signed as a free agent after the draft. So he definitely helped bring me to the 49ers, and I was all of a sudden playing for my childhood team. Now that is incredible. Nate Jackson is joining us. He's in Denver at 104.3, the fan with uh, Chad Brown. And uh, we got, the, obviously, the uh, Broncos and the 49ers coming up this weekend. So so from your perspective as a, as a former player, you played for Mike Shanahan, and then you look at Kyle Shanahan and the way that he does things. And, and before I get into that, was, was Kyle hanging around? Like when you were with the Broncos, did you, did you know Kyle? Did you see Kyle? Was he hanging out? No, the six years I was there, so I was with Denver 2003 to 2008, didn't work out with the Niners, and actually Bill put in that call to Mike Shanahan and asked if he'd take a look at me. And uh, so I flew out here. I was traded for a, a conditional seventh-round pick. I was basically, you know, way down the depth chart on the Niners receiver um, uh, in the Niners receiver room in training camp in 2003. So Bill did me a favor by getting me out of there. But Coach Shanahan, um, he first of all, he's an amazing coach. I really learned a lot from him about football. And obviously he's created this tree underneath him with not just his son, but Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, and those dudes. And But Kyle wasn't around, man. He wasn't around during those years. He was off trying to make his own name. And I, I really respect that about what Kyle did. Like, yeah, he ended up on his dad's staff in Washington. But prior to that, he was making his own way. He was, you know, he was interning over here. He was coaching receivers for the Houston Texans. Intentionally, I think, trying to steer clear of, his dad so he could develop his own path his own style have his own experiences and it's obviously paid off for him you know Nate it's interesting you say that because I was I interact with him a lot and I, I do pre and half of the 49ers so I, I, I talked to Kyle and it's funny I was at his first press conference when he had jet black hair and now it's all gray and he looks like he's the president <laughs> he's aged like 20 years and five right. but he you would ask him a question about Mike and like you said, I mean, he would steer clear. And after a while, you know, and I would imagine, too, that that would kind of be the thing is, you know, Mike's son, Mike's son, Mike's son. And I, I know I listened in on the, the Denver media session with him, and a lot of people asked him. He's become more comfortable with it. But at the beginning, especially when he was here, and I think when he was coaching early in his career as a coordinator and so forth, he just he wanted to be his own man. Yeah, and you got to respect that, man. I mean, uh, you know, for all the charges of nepotism in this business and these coaches who work their way up because just because they're in the system and, Maybe they're not qualified to do it. People question their credentials. Like, people actually questioning John Lynch's credentials when he was hired as a GM, right? 
Um, you had Stephen A. Smith saying, how could he be <laughs> for that job? <laughs> all these, you know, it's like, all right, man, well, John Lynch clearly knows what he's doing, right? And so these guys have wanted to be respected in that field aside from their relationships. And I think that Kyle Shanahan, yeah, like you said, man, he, he, he wants his own name. But at the same time, like coming from that pedigree, having that guy you can call and lean on for the operational stuff, the day-to-day stuff. Obviously, Mike still watches film. He still stays on top of the trends in the league. He's working probably just as hard now as he ever did in the football realm, and I think that's just an asset to Kyle. Nate Jackson is joining us. He's a Barry guy. With a, uh, was with the 49ers, uh, with the Denver Broncos. Played for Mike Shanahan. He's an accomplished author. He works at 104.3 The Fan. You can hear him uh, daily or weekdays with uh, Chad Brown, a former CU Buffalo, former uh, Steeler, Seahawk. Uh, he and uh, Chad Brown do the show together. Is, as far as when you look at the 49ers offense, is it is it just like Mike Shanahan's? What does is, what is Kyle do differently? What similarities, differences? What do you see? No, I mean, to me, you know, I'd have to really take a look at the film. It's hard when you watch a, a game on TV to really see what everybody's doing. But um, I think that uh, it's, it's quite different. They have their own, you know, they have their own stamp on it. And Kyle has his own stamp on what he's doing there. And clearly developing a, a, an offense around Trey Lance, obviously the way he's calling games for Trey is going to be different for Jimmy. So I think he's really adapted to the personnel he has, which is what I think great coaches do. Obviously, the emphasis is on the running game. It is on the zone blocking scheme with the running game and the play action passes that come off of that. That's a staple of it. That's not going to change. And I know they like to take shots deep. But really, the the way you set up the runs is much different and shows Kyle's personality, like the motions that they do, the shifts that they do, the way that they create uh, gap kind of irregularities in the defense and stretch them out and take advantage of those things. I think Kyle does some things that are unique. But the ultimately, like the stuff you hang your hat on, the philosophies, I think are very similar. All right, so let's get to Denver and what's going on there. The, we, we saw the Monday Nighter, and I think a lot of that was just based on emotion. Uh, everybody knows the 64-yarders, should they have gone for it on fourth and five and all those kind of things. <laughs> but then last week you're thinking the Texans are coming in, they're going to blow them out, everything's going to be fine. But the, the home fans are booing, showing very little patience. Uh, Russ hasn't done anything for the Broncos, so I get it. But then they, the, the crowd starts uh, counting down the clock. They're late on those kind of things. You would know this hell of a lot better than I would. I mean, going over from the AC, uh, the OC chair to the head coaching chair, I mean, that's that's a big move over. But from what you've seen so far the first couple of weeks, what's going on? Yeah, so the operational stuff is, is pretty deficient right now. they got 25 penalties in two games. Um, following the way, the number one in the league, I think the next is 18. 13 penalties at home. They had delay of games on fourth down. Um, they've been inside. The, they've been goal to go five times and come out with zero touchdowns. Um, they fumbled twice on the goal line. You know, that snap we talked about, the 65 or 64-yard field goal instead of going for it on fourth and five. There's just been some been some, some, some rough patches there. And I think the problem is that Nathaniel Hackett came in and right off the bat, he's like, we're going to do it my way. It's a new NFL. Training camp was incredibly um, soft. They didn't practice hard. They never hit. They never really, you know, did live goal line plays. He chose to play none of the starters. In the preseason, like not a single snap. He said, we're trying to stay healthy. Our number one goal is to stay healthy. And when people ask him, well, are you worried about this kind of stuff? You know, it being your first time as a head coach, I'm calling plays. And he's like, he kind of laughed it off. He's like, no, nah, it's not my first game. You know, I've been around this thing before. I got this type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, all right, man, we'll back off. We'll let you do your thing. But when that's the product that they put out on the field after taking that approach that was so unusual, you're going to break the mold on how you prepare a football team to go play? Fine. 
but it better work. And these first two games are making people think, oh, my gosh, maybe this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. So I think the crowd was, you know, that was sarcasm, and they're they're antsy. They want good football. They're used to Peyton Manning, John Elway, Mike Shanahan run teams, and all of a sudden this dude's trotting out a product that is just unusually sloppy. This, I would say some good things, though, about this team are they actually are moving the football really well between the 20s. Like their yards per per play are really good. Uh, their running backs, you're going to see Javante Williams, a really good running back. Yeah. Melvin Gordon is as well. Their running game is pretty strong. The problem is they're trying to let Russ cook, right? And so there's that thing, which you know about uh, from playing him so often. But the idea is that Russell is 17-4 and four against the Niners. He's going to have some advantage in this game. I don't know if that's true. You know, and it's interesting, too. Nate Jackson's joining us as we're previewing the 49ers and the Broncos uh, this weekend in Denver. It, it has always been, and I, I know the Seahawks fans got into that whole let Russ cook thing, but he's always been great when there's defense, a running game. I mean, I know Richard Sherman has been critical of this whole thing. I don't know that you want to let Russ cook to a certain level, and you just mentioned it. Javante Williams is a, is a great back. I know in the Seattle game he was hitting him a lot. Obviously, I think a lot of people thought they should have went for it on that fourth down because I think the Seattle defense was tired out. But it, it, is that just dictated because Russ said, yeah, I want to go over to Denver and I want to show people what I can do. It's, it's maybe more his ego. I think it should be running game defense exactly what it was in Seattle. Yeah, that, that power struggle is definitely clearly happening right now, and they gave up a King's ransom to get Russ. They gave up two ones, two twos. Um, they gave up players who were starters on their team. And, and they just gave him a contract for $245 million, $49 million a year. It kicks in in a couple of years. They've really unrolled the red carpet and given him everything he wants. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett went so far to say, it's all about Russ. It's all about Russ. He literally said that. And so I think there's a conflict with him about how to call plays, but also how to appease this superstar quarterback who came here to cook and presumably wanted out of Seattle because of the balance that you're talking about. No one knows if this is actually true, though. I mean, people have asked him, of course, he's a politician. He deflects it. But, like, is he actually putting some influence on the play caller to throw when he should run? Like, the running game has been really, really efficient in the first half, and then they abandoned it in the second half. And down on the goal line, they're going in shotgun. I mean, I know that's a trend in the NFL right now, but you literally have a yard to get, and you got running backs who've been, you know, uh, biting off five yards at a clip, and you're going in shotgun and throwing the ball. People are just scratching their head with that stuff. Okay, so as you look at it now, I was saying this week on on my show on KMBR that this is a good time to get Denver. They look discombobulated, like you said. The fans are on top of Russ. I think it takes time. You can answer this better than I can. I mean, look, I don't care how good you are. It takes time to master a new offense, so he's he's doing some different things than he did in Seattle, but uh, there's a lot of injuries with the Broncos. Is this a good time to be getting these guys, or is it time for them to break out? I think it is a good time to play the Broncos if you're the 49ers, especially considering what you got going on there with Jimmy playing quarterback instead of Trey. Uh, you would know more than, than I, but but the, the, it seems as if the 49ers offense is going to open up a little more with Jimmy there. Guys can play a little looser, and uh, at least the passing game can kind of unfurl in a way that takes advantage of the Broncos' secondary issues. Justin Simmons is injured. He's their high-priced safety. Now Patrick Sertan is a questionable for the game. He's their, obviously their supremely talented corner, and so they're going to be vulnerable there. Um, I think the defensive line, though, the, of the Broncos is pretty hungry, and they're, they'd like to prove that they can be talked about in the same breath as the Niners' defensive line. Obviously, the Niners' line is, um, is something that these guys aspire to be like. 
Um, but uh, Bradley Chubb healthy for the first time. Randy Gregory out there. You guys know about DJ Jones. Yep. And then Draymond Jones is also a force down there. So I think defensively the Broncos are going to be good um, if they can figure out those injury issues. But the offensive stuff is what has been really sloppy. And their special teams hasn't been great either. So I think the Niners are going to be playing with a looseness and the Broncos are going to be playing uptight because there's just there's a scrutiny on them right now that, you know, could be too much. I want to ask you a question because your your book obviously was about you know the, all the injuries that you had. Your memoir, slow getting up a, a story of NFL survival from the bottom of the pile, uh, which was back in 2013. And I know we had you on to talk about it. The big debate in the Bay Area this week, and I'd love to get a player's perspective on it, was obviously Trey Lance's injury. I think Kyle believed that was the the way that they were going to win that football game that that Trey Lance hadn't evolved as a passer yet. He ran a lot at North Dakota State, so that was his third quarterback draw of the game, and many people are saying, well, why are you running him straight up the middle? Let him scramble, let him run, let him get outside, let him get out of bounds, let him slide. So people were criticizing Kyle about the play calling uh, in the play that got Trey Lance hurt. As a former player and as a player that fought a lot of injuries in your career, What's your viewpoint on, on Trey's injury and how responsible or culpable a coach is? Yeah, I think when you're talking about running it up the middle versus on the side, I feel like the, the, the chance for injury is pretty similar anywhere you're running the ball as a quarterback. Those guys are coming to get you. They want to hit you as hard as they can no matter what. The thing about those runs up the middle with Trey is if you get him in the right personnel group and you spread out all your guys, there's a lot of room up there in the middle, you know, for, that you can maneuver with. And if you can make one move on a linebacker and your offensive lineman make their block, that could be a big play. It does tell you about his limitations as a passer when you're developing this sort of um, package and program to get your quarterback running like this. Because ideally, you don't want your quarterback getting hit very often, right? And so, like, the more you get tackled, the probably the, the shorter your career is going to be. These guys who are running quarterbacks, Cam Newton the same age as Russell Wilson he's out of the league like if you want longevity in my opinion in a quarterback he's got to operate from inside of the pocket and get the ball out of his hands as quickly as, he's po- as possible Tom Brady 45 years old never gets touched right he doesn't take off he doesn't try to because he can't but all those guys who play close to 40 don't run the football we are seeing a new influx of guys who can but the question is how long can uh, these guys play playing that style and I think for Russell Wilson right now you're starting to see him decline a little bit with his athletic ability to do that stuff and so when that's who you are and and you're this dual threat when that starts to wane like can you be relied upon and I think that's the danger of having a young guy you rely on too much like Justin Fields as well these guys are so athletic they can do it but eventually you're going to get hurt my point this week was and I'm not blaming Kyle I mean these are NFL plays it's the NFL you don't know better than I do guys are going to get hurt all I was saying was is that as a coach, I think you try to minimize risk, which is the reason why, for example, for the 49ers, Debo Samuel is probably their best kick and punt returner, but he's not going to be back there because they don't want him to get hurt. You know, you don't play in blowout games. You don't want to get hurt. You don't play in preseason games. You don't want to be hurt. You're trying to minimize risk. And my thought was I'd like rather see Trey Lance or any of these quarterbacks that run be able to dictate how they're going to get hit. So you're going to slide. You're going to get out of bounds. And, you know, Kyle made reference to Josh Allen, and, and that's cool and Lamar Jackson, and that's fine. But those guys are the exception to the rule. As you pointed out, Cam Newton, you can go on down the line. Pretty much defenses are undefeated against quarterbacks over the over the span of their careers. Yeah, and, and those guys you just mentioned, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, they're young. We don't know how long they're going to play. We don't know how long they can withstand that. And then, you know, the catastrophic injury comes or one thing happens and the next thing happens. But at the same time, as a play caller, you know, you're talking about preventing injuries. That is important. But as a play caller, you're also trying to win this football game, and you're thinking about the plays you think are going to work. And in his mind, 
this is what I got to call to move the chains right now. Like they obviously, the 49ers offense has struggled the last couple of weeks with Trey, you know, struggle to put points on the board. They haven't scored a lot of points at all. And so Kyle's aware of that, you know, Kyle's aware that he's got to get these guys clicking. And if that's where Trey Lance, where that's where he feels Trey Lance is, can be most successful for his team. The temptation there is to put him in harm's way because he thinks he can move the chains. Hey, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. We got a mutual friend. I know my, my friend Ryan's uh, heading your way this weekend. So uh, you, you guys going to show him a good time? Absolutely, man. We're uh, we're high school friends. We played football together. He's a huge 49er fan like I used to be. Now he's going to be sitting here wearing all these 49ers gear, and I'm going to have to wear my Broncos gear and, uh, you know, try, try to act like I don't know him while he's cheering on your guys. Dude, I, I've been in a Broncos game, man. That's that's no joke. I mean, I've you know this. You've been all over the country, and you do you you go to football games in the South. You go to you know it, it, the West Coast, man. I think it's about as good as it gets when you're talking Denver and San Francisco as far as West Coast football, you know, cities. And I, I know you're in the Rocky region, but I, I call you the West. I mean, it's the, the fans are they're strong there in Denver. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good sports town. Not only the Broncos, but the Nuggets play right there. The Avalanche plays right there. The Rockies play right there downtown, all four major sports teams. But the Broncos are the kings of this town, and they've sucked the last six years. And that's why everyone's so upset and bitter and angry and giving this guy, like, zero rope. So <laughs> this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, we're going to see if they can respond. If they don't, there's going to be a mutiny here in Denver. Well, and that's always good for us, you know, because mutinies are good. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, yeah, exactly. You guys will be laughing your yeah, way out of there. This exactly. Be, be great. Mutinies equal ratings. That's always good. Hey, Nate, thanks for taking the time, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Enjoy it. Anytime, John. And finally on this Friday, it's one for the road, one for the weekend. George Kittle, when he almost got the record. First down, Mullins pass complete to his favorite target, George Kittle. Mullins with time, deep shot, wide open is Kittle. Kittle inside the 30 and down around the 22-yard line. Right back to Kittle. Kittle again. Kittle off to the races. Still going. Kittle tripped up inside the 15-yard line. There's Kittle wide open. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to. Touchdown! 85 yards! 18 game mm -hmm. against the Broncos. That was uh, a fun one. Yeah. It was. Where, where does that rank in the pantheon of Broncos? Oh, wow. I think that one was just more fun so than anything because I literally wasn't covered for most of the game and I got to experience that for the first and last time. Yeah. That was a really fun one. Oh, I'd say that's a top fiver for me. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, 85 yard touchdowns are pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we have that play in there somewhere. He had a lot before half. He had like over 100 yards before half. 210 in the halftime. Yeah. Yeah. Like zero in the second half. December 9, 2018, the last time George Kittle saw the Denver Broncos. Seven catches, nine targets, 210 yards. And the 49ers beat the Broncos 20-14. to 14. The problem was he got all of his targets but one in the first half. All 210 yards in the first half. And all he needed was four yards to top former Broncos tight end for the most yards receiving by a tight end in a single game in NFL history. I remember being there. I remember being in the postgame and everyone asking Kyle Shanahan, couldn't you have gotten George Kittle four more yards? 
210, not bad. All in the first half. Nothing after halftime to top Shannon Sharp. Hey, at least George Kittle is on track to play this Sunday against the Broncos. Let's see if he can do it again. And that is one for the road. And that is Unleashed for Friday, September 23rd, 2023. It's your daily various sports podcast, a must-listen every weekday. Please subscribe, Apple, Spotify, the rest of the places you get your podcasts. Listen to my show weekdays, 10 to 2 on KNBR, the sports leader in the Bay Area. Follow and interact with the show at John Lund Radio. The mailbag is each Tuesday, but we'll read the best ones all week long. YouTube channel is coming soon. The Broncos and 49ers preview pod. We'll do better on Monday. You've been listening to Unleashed, various sports talk with me, John Lund, on the Locked On Podcast Network.